1: Hello and welcome to episode 132 of the Winsix podcast, official podcast of BehindTheBookPass.com I'm your host site expert, Adam McGee And joining me as usual is contributor on site, Jordan Tresky. Hello there, Jordan Hello Later than usual, not your usual zip in the hello (laughs) No (laughs) I can understand, it's been a long night uh, we are here recording on draft night. Uh, recording as the draft is still going on. So, if the books decide to do something dramatic at the end of the draft, you'll catch that live. Um, but we're coming just after the books have, have picked at 46 rather than 48. And in all likelihood, completed their night's work after taking Michigan's DJ Wilson with the 17th overall pick the books then bought the 46th pick of the philadelphia 76ers and selected sterling brown out of smu and then sold the 48th pick yeah. for books legend <laughs> cash considerations to the los angeles clippers We'll get into the, the players individually. We'll talk a little bit about them in terms of sp- specifics. Uh, I'm going to struggle to say a lot of words, I think, on this podcast. Uh, but we'll <laughs> we'll do that very shortly. But what I want to do to start off is just get your general impression, your overall feeling. If this is the books draft night business, how do you feel about a haul of DJ Wilson Sterling Brown?
0: Well, I will uh, uh, reveal or go through the stages. I I woke up pretty... I was not in a good mood when I woke up this morning. (laughs) I was kind of dreading today. Even though I was very excited about it, I was also like, there was a sense of panic that I usually get on big decisions or days of big decisions when it comes to the Bucks. Um, And that panic did not... It eventually went away, but then I just I was just <laughs> I was getting depressed. I think I I sent Adam uh, a, a I sent him a message earlier saying that I'm <laughs> I'm currently in the depression stage of my uh, stages of Bucks first round selection grief or whatever. I don't know. I, I, as you can tell, I'm I, I have said a lot of words. Um, anyway, uh, overall though, uh, there's two things. One. And this is the biggest point of all <laughs> that I want to make very clear. The Bucs did not draft a center.
1: But they didn't. Even after we refused to talk about centers, they didn't spite us by drafting a center. So I think that proves that we were right all along, importantly.
0: Yes. That's that's one thing. When you're a writer, you want to be proven right when it comes to the Bucs.
1: And that's they my- didn't draft any of the guys we look for them to draft, but they didn't draft the guys we didn't want them to draft either. So
0: Exactly. I think so that you're makes us right. Going through that minefield and you know, they're tiptoeing through the tulips. Is that a phrase? I don't know. It is now, I like it. It's Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um I like it. I it's uh I, I think it it kind of falls in line with the types of guys that they're looking for. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um and the fact that you know, you're kinda of, they both you're getting versatile guys that can play, you know, kinda of have that has shooting, uh, especially from three, the ability to shoot from three. I mean, they're definitely targeting a need and uh to you know, kinda of build around Giannis and all that stuff. So it's just again, they didn't take a center. I wanna make that very clear. That's all I really was just hoping for at the end of the day, but the guys that they took I I do quite a, like a lot, and I, I'm glad to learn about them even more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, the myth of the books being a poor shooting team that seems to still run with a lot of people. And I noticed this during the draft process when you're the books fans, if you'd write a profile, or, or actually, what I noticed the other day, Ty wrote a, one of his free agency profiles, and it was on former book Luke and Bamute And one of the comments he got was great. Another non-shooter on this team. It kind of made me chuckle because that's that's the narrative of 12 months ago. And this was a top 10 three-point shooting team last year. And now they've drafted, for the second year in a row, two good three-point shooters. A good three-point shooting big, power forward in this case. And a three-point shooting guard. So, they are continuing to address that, continuing to improve in that area. Um, I know that was John Hammond's thing at the kind of end of the season, the start of the the workout process he had said, you know, three point shooting, three point shooting. Um, from now on that's always going to be the priority. So it's good to see them go along those lines. I think they've also got two guys who could be very interesting defensively. Sterling Brown is already there, kind of as a proven. Um Specialist defender in college. And then, I mean, DJ Wilson is versatile. He already has that. He's got good flashes. He can block shots. There's definitely potential for him to become an even better defender and to be a perfect fit, really, for a lot of what the books are doing. So I think all around, um, you got to be quite happy with it. Maybe they weren't the, the most obvious names that were coming up. But that's probably a good thing because in the first round, the obvious names that kept being thrown at it were, you know, these big guys. Uh, someone like Bam Bay who actually went early at 14 and that pick hasn't been particularly well received, it seems, from draft experts all around the internet. Um, Justin Patton, I think, okay, Justin Patton might have something about him. Uh, he ended up in Minnesota, we'll see. I don't think you're going to lose any sleep. But then you even had guys like Jared Allen fell a little bit later than expected. And then you had uh, Aikeng Bogu, who was mocked to the books at different times during the process. And some red flags came up in his medical records, and he fell way into the second round. So it wasn't necessarily what we expected, but I think that turned out to be a positive. Let's start out with DJ Wilson. DJ Wilson is a 21-year-old forward. He has been at Michigan for the last three years, although um, he leaves college basketball as a sophomore, having redshirted after four games in his first season as a Wolverine. It was a knee injury, which is likely to raise red flags in everyone's mind when they hear that, but it wasn't anything overly serious. He had a sprained knee, which kind of kept him out for four weeks, and it was just the timing of it. They kind, of, they kind of put him on ice and gave him the chance to do over with it, but it's not like we're talking about someone who has major injury problems. So in some ways, that extra year may have benefited him. He's just turned 21, so he's still, I mean, he's relatively young. I guess he's about the right age. You're not looking at someone who's particularly old for, for uh, someone who has been in and around the college game for three years. Uh, what he offers is a player who's already very well rounded offensively uh, has got great touch is looking like a more and more intelligent player. I guess with, with every passing season, he started to pass a little bit better as a sophomore. He's a good cutter, which is very interesting, very intriguing as part of the book system. And, he has good shooting touch. Uh, over 37% from deep last year. Uh, around an 83 to 85% free throw shooter, if I'm remembering correctly. So, they're all positives. And then, to cap that off, you've got a guy who's 6'10", uh, seven, three wingspan, if I remember correctly. I think it's around that. Um, and... Although he looks very slight, he is 235 pounds already, which I kind of find interesting. A lot of, a lot of his, the knocks on him may come from the fact that, you know, he's not quite embracing contact just yet, but he is absolutely getting better at that, and that, that was something a lot of people who watched Michigan quite closely last year said. You could see him getting better from that perspective as time goes on. So, I, I think even a lot of the knocks that are on him right now, there's a reason to believe they can be worked out. So, from my perspective, he seems like someone who has pretty high upside, will be able to slot in almost straight away in the rotation as a power forward, and then it's kind of, well, let's see what he becomes down the line. Maybe he's just a good backup, maybe he's something more. Uh, as we know, the books may or may not actually need that, so it's nice to have an option there. It's something a little different from having Mirza and Beasley as your power forward options.
0: Yeah, I, I think since the pick has come out, um, uh, if you weren't familiar with him or didn't, he wasn't you know generally slotted around the range that the Bucks were uh, selecting at, at 17. <clears throat> but if you weren't familiar with him before, a lot of the things that we're kind of seeing from him and as you alluded to, you know, concerns of like physicality—is he soft? He had a kind of a growth spurt, so you, can he play like a wing? Kind of like you know, all that concern. I don't really—that doesn't really trouble me, honestly, just because we've seen the Bucks kind of. There's—they've already have a track record with guys that were kind of considered soft, or you know, obviously. Giannis and Thong come to mind with just guys that are very skin and or skinny, not just skin, skinny and lanky, and and building out their bodies with you know getting stronger and stuff like that. Like that over time, I don't think that might, I don't think that will be as big of a concern as it looks right now. Um, and again, just versatility. I think that's the one thing that we kind of that's why any center selection in my mind, it just it didn't. I did I wasn't for it and obviously the Bucks didn't think the same thing by not taking one um, and uh, yeah I just think I don't know I, any concern they have that they that we're seeing about him right now I just I, I, it's not that concerning for a team that already has a track record of developing players to not or to you know uh,
1: bullet go effect Bogo, okay.
0: yeah
1: <laughs> i mean I, i've i already i want to kill this soft thing dead I've, I've a real issue with this already um i don't i don't know why that's the term simple to. we we do have a question in the mailbags so we might as well address it now from david done 21 kind of pointing to how there was very little uh very little barriers to getting to the rim going through the paint for teams throughout the playoffs in the NBA Finals and whether that kind of negates any concern over Wilson being soft. I mean, if you look at Wilson's story, first of all, and his route to getting here, um, he hasn't had it easy. He's lived his life from a very young age, very independently. Um, he grew up, just him, and a single mother. And there's there's a great story. I think it was the Detroit Free Press um, that I was reading earlier. We'll probably... We'll share it in some places in the next day or so. But kind of talks about how his mother felt it was important for him to take control of things himself, to be his own man from a very, very young age. So the idea that he's soft is just complete nonsense to me. Again, I understand this coming out now and kind of very instant reactions. But if you look a little bit deeper into his story, he is a very late bloomer in terms of his growth. He played as a guard growing up, then as a wing, and looked set to be a wing longer term, and then had one kind of last growth spurt that has put him into this power forward, even potential small ball center kind of position. And I think that's part of the reason why, even though he's not exactly light at 234, I mean, he's got a solid frame. At the same time, he doesn't look that. He doesn't look that weight at all. You'd think he was more... I think it's as simple as he doesn't know how to use his frame yet because he never used to have to. Like, this is a, a new style that he's having to try and work with, both offensively and defensively. And it's kind of like asking any wing player to then go and get involved in around the paint. It's a very different approach they are having to take. So, I mean, a lot of his coaching staff noted that he really kind of warmed to contact and he improved in a big way on both ends in terms of dealing with contact last year, you've got to feel that's going to be a process that's just going to continue. Um, It's not something that's there immediately, but I I definitely don't think he should be labeled soft as a result. He's 21, and he's still kind of learning his position. He's learning it much later along the lines because he hasn't been playing the four and the five since he was like 12 years old. So Mm -hmm. there's an adjustment there he's still making, at the same time, I think that adjustment, like, that's the trade-off for someone who is a very quick and agile defender on the perimeter, could be switched out onto guys, someone who, like, he's not going to be a ball handler or initiator, but he's comfortable when the ball ends up in his hands. He has solid vision where he can look to make a pass. So you do get some of those more guard, wing-based skills thrown in there with this bigger frame. If the the drawback on that to begin with is You know, he's not quite as adept at playing physically or he needs to improve at being, at using his aggression. That's fine. I think you deal with that. All that can be worked with. Um, That'll start with bulking him up, but it's probably more of a mental thing than anything else. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing you feel like by the time he gets through training camp, just having gone against fully grown men bigger guys that he has to really apply himself if he wants to get his he'll already learn a little bit about that you know he'll, he'll know how to go about that better as you mentioned look different scenarios different body types different types of players but the books have had Yanis. i mean most notably Tan already looks bigger but again genetically Tan is slightly different and um, with his heritage Yanis is an example though if you look at Yanis now um, no one in their right mind could say Yanis isn't strong now, or that he shies away from contact on either end. Uh,
0: some people, yeah, are... David Thorpe.
1: I was, say, I was about to say some people did say that, but they, they weren't, weren't really uh, hitting the mark with that one. The questions that this brings up. Do. We assume this is the end of the road for Michael Beasley in Milwaukee. Yes, I agree on that. Um, I think that's that's a pity, particularly from the point of view of his locker room presence, which we've talked about before. And
0: es- sorry, and especially with uh the news of yesterday's cap uh going down. I mean,
1: unless yeah. he, unless he's taking minimum, he's not coming back, and he can probably get a little bit more than that. Yeah. And even then, I don't think he is now. I think there's a a shift at that spot, and that's a wise thing to do with Jabari's injury, to have at least some other young player who could be a long-term part of your core there um, developing in the wings at either of the forward positions. I think that's something the books needed to have. It wasn't ideal to have one of your star forwards dealing with these serious injuries and to be relying on... Michael Beasley, and Mircea Tladovic potentially long-term to keep you afloat at those spots. So, I, I think it's fair to say that that was a wise move. Do you think this is just a pick in its own right? This is the guy, we like him, we see a role for him regardless. Or could there be an element of Jabari insurance here too? I don't think they'll ever talk about this, they'll ever say it publicly, which is the right thing to do. Um, because even with some of the things that John Horse said today, speaking about they will look at extension talks with him very soon, I think they're all the right things to say publicly because you, it's important you build up Jabari's confidence through this process. But from where I'm sitting, I think there must be an element to it where they say, okay, we really like this guy, and maybe he can also give us this. It's no harm to have something there. Do you think that will factor into it, or are they going to just be tunnel vision saying you know you know what jabari's gonna be fine but this is a nice piece to have there with him
0: i mean that was the first thought that i have or that i had when the pick was made and i'm not in the war room i'm not seeing these guys i'm not going to workouts and all that stuff i mean that's definitely on the on the front or on you know the forefront of their mind to pretend that it isn't uh insurance for jabari i mean we have to be real here. And especially with, uh, what there's comments say from Horst himself talking about progress, about, uh, extension talks. I mean, that is, they, they have to, the no matter how you feel about Jabari, we've gotten down that road before you still have to have a plan in place or have a, a, not a backup plan, but you have some, you have to look for some kind of not replacement, but just kind of insurance to bring in, and a, a guy like with Wilson with his versatility shooting issues, or, uh, shooting positives um character like all that stuff I mean he checks all the boxes that the, the bucks the type of prospect the, the bucks are have kind of zeroed in on it's not the it's not the I, I don't know it's not the <laughs> I was gonna go down the whole dietary but I won't uh, anyway um but yeah I, I, it definitely is involved to some degree and obviously they won't admit it to it but it's I mean come on to, it's it's definitely it's definitely a part of it
1: yeah and I, I think they shouldn't admit it like that's the right approach to take and that's even if you aren't planning on extending Jabari's summer I think you owe it to him to at least have the conversation to just kind of sit down and say okay well look we want you here. Let's talk about extension. And even that is a positive. You can't just say, no, you know, Jabari's got an injury. We'll wait and see how things play out in restricted free agency. That's not going to give him any confidence. You've at least got to have the conversation. If that doesn't work out, that doesn't work out. I think there's probably less chance of hard feelings on that. So, I mean, my early reactions on that would be they're doing the right thing, they're handling it the right way. And... We'll see how it goes. He's an intriguing player either way. I just, I'm I'm glad it was him when they're going to the, the kind of power forward route because I remember way back, kind of around the time that Jabari went down, T.J. Leaf was being thrown out there as you know, potential Jabari cover. Except the fact that that makes absolutely no sense. He couldn't he couldn't be Jabari cover if he wanted to. Uh, Wilson is a player who fits that mold much better. Also brings something a little bit different to it too. Um, his, his defensive potential is there for all to see. That's exciting. But when you're looking at what you miss from Jabari, let's not ignore the fact that this is a really good offensive forward they've just drafted. So it is someone that if they are lacking some punch on offense at that kind of 3-4 position he's someone who can come in and help them out. Mm-hmm. Not the pick we expected, but I, I think a fun pick is the best way to describe it. And considering oh, like, yeah. there were other guys on the board around them, I think neither of us would have argued if they had decided to look at moving up. Maybe they didn't, just couldn't get a deal done. But, you know, if they had moved up a few spots and got a Donovan Mitchell, that's perfect. Considering they stayed where they were, is there a lot they could have done better than this? I don't really know. Um, outside of Wilson, I mean, my preferences probably would have been guys like Ananobi and Giles. I think they probably would have been my first two choices. And that was because, you know, there was something of a risk there. There was some upside. I think Wilson has the upside and, okay, you get to do it in a way that's safer than two guys who are coming off ACL injuries. Um, and particularly when you're looking for them to come in and help cover for a guy with an ACL injury. I can't argue with that being the way they've decided to go with it. So, pretty good pick, I think. And um, the consensus mm-hmm. from what I've seen, a lot of these probably won't come out until later and even early morning, but the early uh, draft grades I've seen have almost been unanimously A's. So... Hey, that's a fun start.
0: Uh, I think that the first in uh, well, in our blogging, in my blogging, Bucks blogging, I, I think Brogdon
1: times. might have got some A's last. Oh
0: week. yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is true. Uh,
1: but definitely, definitely the first round pick, the first first round pick that was well received, uh, by draft writers. Yeah, Fong
0: got an F, F. Yeah. Last year,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was funny. I think uh i don't know if that happened on the espn i had i had uh the vertical show on my ipad the espn show on my laptop so i had had one kind of headphone in this stick to one one to the other so i don't know what was which um uh, i don't know if it happened on the espn show as well but there was a lot of owning up on the vertical show about you know i didn't think the tom maker pick was a good pick i was wrong on that eat it eat it Marks. <laughs> Yeah, Bobby Mark's flawless judgement. Moving on to the second round, I wonder did John Horse, just for kicks, decide to sell that 48 pick in the hope that the news would get out before anyone found out that they were trading for the 46 pick, just to cause the kind of panic that for about 90 seconds broke out on Twitter when it looked like, oh the books have
0: sold or second. Same old bucks. Okay. Well, I'll, like any any yeah, I was about to I I was about to make a joke and then it's only
1: uh, and I know how long it takes you to craft your jokes. You got lucky on that occasion because if you were quicker with your jokes, you would have had to deal with the shame.
0: Hmm. Uh, but well, I usually deal with shame.
1: <laughs> it's a different kind of shame. Yeah. I can't really. I can't really complain with selling that pick when you buy in a 46. Uh, maybe they felt or had heard Sterling Brown wouldn't be around. I think just as likely. They made may have made profit on this whole arrangement by moving up because the Sixers had so many picks and had already picked a lot of guys that I'm not sure it would have taken more than, what I think the minimum is $350,000 to go get their pick. While the Clippers, on the other hand, may have been pushing harder to get a pick in around that range. They may have paid some more. So, in the end, the mm-hmm. Bucks may have got the guy they wanted at 48, moved up to get him, and made a little made bit 46. of 46? No, okay. I mean the guy they wanted at 48.
0: Oh, uh, got you 46,
1: got Um At 46. While pocketing some extra cash with it as well. Okay, yeah. another Another victory for the legend that is Cash Considerations. Moving on to Sterling Brown, the player, though. Um, for those who aren't familiar with him, I guess an easy intro would be if you look at him and you go, hmm, huh, he looks a lot like Shannon Brown. That would be because he's Shannon Brown's brother. Sterling Brown is a 22-year-old senior out of SMU. Stop me if these measurements sound somewhat familiar, about 6'6", 230 pounds, <laughs> uh, six nine 6'9". wingspan. Um I guess what I'm joking about there is he's pretty similar in measurements, a little bit smaller, a little bit shorter in terms of wingspan to Malcolm Brogdon. But I've already seen this comparison everywhere. I'm not so sure that's a healthy thing for him to have to deal with, although there are elements of truth to it. and Where there are elements of truth is Brown arrives as a very good proven defender. And if he ends up getting minutes straight away, For the Bucs this season, it will be much like Brogdon because they'll be able to feel like they can trust them defensively. And particularly for rookies, I think that's important. That's what will get you on the court. Uh, Not when you're like three years there and you're making small steps defensively and people are hailing those steps as if you're a good defender. But Mm -hmm. when you're a rookie and you have something to show, you'll get your opportunities. Something that separates Brown from Brogdon, at least in the draft context, is the fact that he is already a lights-out shooter. His worst three-point shooting season in college came as a freshman, where he shot 36.2% from three-point range. As a sophomore, 44.4%. As a junior, 53.6%. And as a senior, on his high of 3.9 attempts per game, 44.9%. So what that amounts to is 45.1% from three for the entirety of his college career. You have got a significant sample size. You have got a guy who could shoot the lights out. This is exactly what you want to find, I think, in the second round. If he can, if he can translate the shooting and the defense, he doesn't need to do anything else. It's like it, that's that's the sort of things you're gonna you could be about to pay Tony Snell somewhere in the ten to thirteen million range for for the shooting and the defense. So what you're looking for is your next guy who can come in, play a role where you have him on a very cheap deal doing those two things. On paper and from his college production, you've got to think Sterling Brown will be able to do those. And so I'd like the pick. I honestly believe that. He's a player who could get some minutes with the Bucks this season. Um, particularly when you look at what their wing rotation is like. We've talked about that before. Um, I like it. I, I think there were other options. They could have gone for, say, Monte Morris. I think it is interesting. They will go into free agency with not a lot of money unless they pull some trades off. And the same problems at point guard. It was something both of us really wanted addressed in this draft. And they didn't. They didn't get anything a little bit different at point guard. So that is interesting. Whether they look to address that or they don't feel that's a problem. Whether we get some more experimentation with is handling more of the ball again this year. or All of those questions are for another day. Uh, but we can't argue that they needed kind of depth at the two Maybe Brown could play some tree in small lineups. I mean, he could possibly play one, but he's not the greatest ball handler for that, so that's not ideal. Uh, but even like a a, Bro- a Brogdon Brown backcourt, it's not small. Uh, that's the thing. They're, they're tall guys. They're both long. Interesting to see that Horst is sticking to the philosophy of lengthy guys. Uh, He's come in, he's got two players with with long wingspans. And as such, I mean, the books are doing what the books have been doing. That was a question we had coming into the draft, and it turns out that a lot of the Hammond philosophies have clearly carried over with Horst. Do you agree on most of that with Sterling Brown, or have you any thoughts on him yourself?
0: Oh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, again... I think it's not, this doesn't just apply to Brown. I think it applies to DJ Wilson, too. It's, they got great guys with solid role play potential, you know, and they bring similar, uh, you know, set of skills, obviously, uh, to quote the great Liam Neeson. Um, I just think with Brown in particular, again, we talked about for the last couple months now. The Bucks need more wing depth. You know, obviously there's Snell, there's Middleton. Uh, but again, Rashad Vaughn, the question's about where, if he can ever be something of importance. Uh, and of course with J- Jason Terry, you know, who knows? Hopefully he can come back. But again, that's not a piece that he can rely on for the long term. Getting a guy like Sterling Brown, with his track record of great shooting, he has the type of length that you – the the Bucks have obviously are looking for. Uh, he's the brother of Shannon Brown, a personal favorite of mine. I mean, these prerequisites that the Bucks that I'm looking for in a in a selection. Uh, that's I, I lost I lost uh, I lost I lost my mojo talking about Sterling Brown by making that joke.
1: You're handling the late-night podcast so much worse than me, and I think... I know, I am You should be ashamed very, of yourself.
0: I'm very scattered
1: This isn't good enough. This isn't what you're here for, Chesky. You have to be on your A-game. No. We'll move on to the mailbag, where I will probably end up answering most of them, like I normally do, but like particularly tonight. That might be a requirement. Because Jordan now has just got a fit of the giggles. It's all, it's all gone wrong. This yeah. is the... I will say the thing, the overwhelming feeling I have from this is relief. I said this yes, to Jordan earlier. Jordan started a whole thing earlier and then he aborted on it like most of his jokes because he's just, he's not in the right place to speak right now, it seems. No. Uh, but he wasn't joking when he said he went through the, the full uh, gamut of emotions today he really did I had if I was to show you all of the messages I got from Jordan today we literally got the full spectrum uh we had we did have the doom and gloom that started the day to then when at around the seventh pick when like Donovan Mitchell hadn't been picked just like everyone expected <laughs> Jordan started getting those good feelings he's like he's gonna who's gonna take him he's gonna be round right. I warned him then just. Just wait, just don't get carried away. But ultimately, I think we can come out of it. I don't I don't know who the person is. I would like to meet them. Someone reach out to us. If you were the person on the record who was going, you know what I want from this draft? I want DJ Wilson and Sterling Brown. But at the same time, I don't see how anyone can have a problem with it. I think seem like two smarts all the picks. I don't feel the books missed out on anyone in picking those two guys. I think they're fair players in that range or players who could be justified as saying, well, they might give us more. And that's factoring in not just their, their current ability or potential ability, also fit. Um, I'm. Uh, I always struggle with best player available when a roster has very defined needs yep so as a result and in that
0: range too
1: right as a result i actually kind of like that there feels to be a degree of fit in this because it is tough as much as you want the books to get the best players that are out there as they continue to keep building towards something i think that's an easier approach if you've got a little bit more money too the books the books have no cap space So they need to fill out parts of their roster that might be tough to do in the draft. And to their credit, I think they've done that. It's probably going to be harder to pick up a a 40-plus percent shooter who's a really good defender who can play the two in the free agent market on the cheap. They're the kind of guys are going to cost you a lot of money in free agency. And likewise, uh, scoring power forward. They were lucky to find Michael Beasley who could do some of that for them last year. But then they may not be so lucky in trying to keep him at a cheap rate. So to get someone who can do a lot of things offensively, play to four and cover over. I mean, I'm very excited for I will need Wilson and Ton minutes. I think that would just be so much fun. and Those two guys. Because Ton, Ton has improved a lot as a roller. We talked about that around the playoffs. But Wilson is good at rolling, although he likes to pop. I mean, you can run pick and rolls with those two guys on the floor. Either guy can roll, either guy can pop. That's your modern NBA front court. You're not actually giving up size. Both players can block shots. That's a lot of fun to me. That's kind of fascinating. So, look, I think good, fun picks. Um, They like any draft picks, may not turn out to be the best picks. We may look back on them in a few months and say they were terrible picks. But I think what's important is we're here on draft night and we don't already feel like that. So we can get some brief respite, some hope going into the summer that, you know, maybe they've actually got two more picks right. And if they have, like, for everything Yanis brings to his books team, for everything Chris Middleton did... Uh, Jabari, although his health has unfortunately interfered with that quite a bit like in the grand scheme of building the books to be a contender there won't be many things more important than if these two picks pan out and Maker and Brogdon pan out that you could say oh we kind of had a stretch of two years where we went four for four and finding guys who could contribute that's where they need to be at and that's the thing Mm -hmm. When, when people always talk about how the Warriors were built now that's the one that I like to point out to books fans of. They just took care of business in the draft. They made their their picks hit so they could get role players. That's how they could build a roster that was packed with really good players and still somewhat cheap. Eventually, you'd hope the books get back to that place, even with having someone like Yanis who will be on Super Supermax when... Delvadova, Toledovic, Henson, whether they're traded, whether it's when their contracts expire a few years down the road. Your goal is to just be in a place where you use your draft picks so you're always building that next level. I mean, it continues with with the Warriors in the draft tonight. Again, they buy in and they get someone who everyone's going, well... At
0: 38 too, mind you. At
1: 38. So that was the full-on Patrick McCaw effect again. It's it's funny, so many of those things, uh, like Jimmy Butler going... To the Timberwolves, I don't think enough was spoken about how that whole thing was just like deja vu, literally the draft starts and the, tw- the tweets are coming out between Woj and Stein but like the Minnesota Timberwolves are in advanced talks to get uh, Jimmy Butler like, yep, yeah, this is exactly where we were 12 months ago, is Chris Dunn gonna be in these talks? I, I don't think that's being mentioned enough, both of those teams just wasted a year
0: it basically, basically it took for Zach Levine to to tear these scale for them, for the Wolves to say, hey, we have probably trade them. Trade for your rebuild there.
1: Both franchises would have been so much better off if they just did that deal last year, though. I think that deal last year... I mean, the Bulls should... would
0: be better off not no, <laughs> doing I, I a lot of things that, differently. If
1: you're going to do it, if they could have done it last year, before they went to got Wade and Rondo, and you just commit to your rebuild last year, and you're already a year in at this point, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Uh, I will say, though, I will. I know this has nothing to do with the Bucs draft type, but I will say that it is a weird fit with Butler and Wiggins. I'm not sure how you go about that. I
1: just think, want to throw that out there. I think it will work. I think they're going to be very good. I know no one wants to hear that. I don't think you want to hear that you were very upset when that trade happened.
0: Because it was dumb. I don't like dumb trades. <laughs> it's I, dumb.
1: I don't think most books fans will be too upset about the Bulls making dumb trades. But hey, uh, I mean, we are the beneficiaries of a dumb Bulls trade. Let's not forget. Let's move on to the mailbag, though. The first one, front Metastic. How many long-limbed players before we're allowed to be the monsters? It's getting close, Matt. Um, I don't know how many more long-limbed players are out there. Well they're getting pretty close. From at underscore Al Hopper Is DJ Wilson the best player in the draft? Question mark. I'll go through a few of these because we can answer them all at one go then. From at Us V the Man, is DJ Wilson good? From at Escarusum Uh can you sell us on DJ Wilson? I would hope we already have. Um, I, I think... It
0: sounds like it sounds like they were also going through the stages of first round selection grief. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. The, the question is: DJ Wilson. <laughs> that, that just makes me laugh for some weird reason.
1: That's a, I mean, that's the ultimate books fan question. Is <laughs> Rashad Vaughn good, Jordan? No. Well, we'll talk. About, we're not talking about him. This is not the time for him, DJ <laughs> yeah. Wilson. I think he could be good. He is at least intriguing. I, I don't think it will take much for people to see the appeal of him. I think he is going to be lucky in that expectations will probably be relatively low, and he can score. And with expectations low, I think he would get killed less for any defensive lapses he has. And if he comes in and he's playing like five minutes here and there and he ends up with six points or eight points at five minutes, everyone will be like, wow, look, at he can really score. He's got some potential to do some stuff. So I, I think he could be good. I like what I've seen so far. I think he's got a well-rounded skill set that should only improve over time.
0: His name is DJ. Bringing that back. I'll a, be using that a lot <laughs>
1: for the years Al to come. Hopper. We can all look forward to that. Uh, mm. Does DJ Wilson use a spoon to drink smoothies or a straw to eat snow mm. <laughs> Uh Well, I'd say Alex is I would hope that the books got his medical records before drafting him. And if they did, I'm sure this would be in there if he did either of those things. Because let's Make no mistake about it. If you're, see you said drinking a smoothie. If you're eating a smoothie with a spoon, or drinking a snow cone through a straw, you're you are ill. So that should be on your medical records. So uh, I hope the his uh,
0: his a his Twitter handle is lanky smooth. That's uh, not that far off from lanky smoothie.
1: It, yes, it is, Jordan. It is quite far off from that. No, you got
0: the... You have got the, the
1: smoo, is what you've you got.
0: You got the smoo.
1: From uh, J one <laughs> why not OG Anobi?
0: His knee. If we're already worrying about someone's knee, it's... And plus, two, the other thing, I mean, I like him a lot. They went for offense liked, over I...
1: defense, is the other thing. Because you could make the case for Ananobi and Giles, and we could point to their knees. But the thing would also be that they're about more defensive first players where maybe particularly with Jabari's injury, the Bucs wanted to make sure they could bring another offensive player into the front court. Mhm. So I, I would say that is uh, the knee, I'm sure, plays into it. Um, he did slip generally. But... I, I think that was a big thing we saw. I mean, they picked the offensive player, and maybe the most offensive player out of a lot of the immediate options around them. Now that I think of that, because even some of the big men, if we're talking again about the big men, they were Patton, Leaf. But Patton was gone before he was. 16. I know. I'm just
0: list. I'm just listing. Leaf, John Collins. Good, I
1: don't think Leaf is good. Oh, I suppose John Collins was a pretty effective score but then they didn't work him out i think they. it's not
0: it's but it's not well rounded it's very kind of yeah you know.
1: yeah and we we should mention that they didn't to our knowledge work out dj wilson although no, there, there was are, something though i, I, I rumors know rumors that jason kidd and rod torn were spotted in california on monday yeah um so possible that is the Bucs move is basically the last person they see before the draft gets drafted at the first round pick. So that sounds entirely plausible. Um, from Amatastic, does DJ Wilson go on tour with Jason Kidbull Bull in the offseason? <laughs> Hashtag tale. Um, Yeah, maybe he is yes. Jason Bring that back, DJ. <laughs> Jordan's eyes lit up when that one finally landed with him there. There was a delayed reaction to it because it's late. Yeah. But he likes that idea, I think.
0: Did you know Pitbull's only 36, by the way? Yeah. Uh, that's well, I find that ridiculous. What
1: do, what do you think he was, 52? I mean...
0: No, no, not 52, but I, was, I know, at least 40.
1: That's a four-year difference. We're talking marginal stuff here, Jordan. Um, from a
0: presidential term.
1: From... <laughs> oh, I'm not touching right, that sorry, one. Sorry, sorry. I'm not touching that one. <laughs> at at Escarusum um there were reports that ton and kid saw him work out on monday that's what we've just referenced is a possible torn and kid made this pick and uh, the answer to that is they absolutely made the pick everyone made the pick because this is what we learned last monday so they would have been in the room making the pick with horst with the owners uh with my god knows who peter fagan who was probably weighing in on his marketability or something i've no idea uh, <laughs> Peter Fagan liked his hair and said yeah he's the pick I like his hair he'll sell tickets I, I yeah I think we have to assume that they do have something to do with the pick that's what the owners told us last Monday that's what Wes Eden's told us so multiple people in that process they were two of them so in effect yeah they did um, from at Alex underscore Koenig023 does this all but guarantee Beasley is gone most likely Um, Almost, I would say 90% certain. If nobody wants Beasley and Beasley is a minimum guy, I mean, maybe they'll look at it, but I would say most likely. From from a J underscore Christian 11, with these draft picks, what does this team look like when Jabari comes back? I'd say better rounded. Like if, if you if you assume Jabari does come back at full strength or close to it, he now comes back to a team that has another interesting relatively young, more importantly, cheap wing. Uh young potential big man who can back him up at the four or back Yanis up at the four if Jabari's at the three. Potentially also play some five. I mean, that that would be something that if Wilson does play well this year, gets some opportunities and proves he's up to it uh, by the end of the season, I would think you would see at least a few moments of him in small ball five before they have to make Greg Monroe decisions next year. So, yeah, I, I think they're just better rounded. They've got two nice options that give them something else or bolster what they already had. So, I would say it's going to be a better team he'd come back to if he can play to the level he was playing before the injury.
0: Yeah. Agreed.
1: From at uh, Himez33. Do you think that the Bucs even attempted to call New York on Porzingis? If my dream came true, they'd be champions in two years. I don't know about that dream, Himez33. Who else is there? Did they attempt to call the Knicks on Przingis? There, I mean, you were the one I think pointed out to me that there were some reports suggesting that effectively every team in the NBA called. <laughs> it seemed, it's, let's that, seems like. It us that to go believe. down this rabbit hole. It seems they, hard they, to believe. What were the Warriors calling and being like, okay, Pat McCaw and. I don't know who else is cheap there. Mcadoo is a free agent this summer, right? It's not him. Kevin Looney, yeah, Kevin Looney. Looney, sorry. Um, Pat McCon, Kevin Looney for Porzingis.
0: They were not going to trade for Porzingis. It's, uh, I, I, uh, I,
1: yeah. no. I think when we found out what the price was, the books couldn't do that one. Um, and they'd
0: even, and they didn't even trade him in the end.
1: Well, we don't know that, but I would assume they didn't. Or oh, If, if right. they did, the phone would have been hung up pretty quickly because Phil probably would have asked for a Yanis in the next tree first or something, judging by his demands. From at underscore Alhopper again, when Horst said he was hitting the ground like a rocket ship, <laughs> was that a hint at wanting Bam?
0: Hmm. That is certainly a noise that you would hear a rocket ship, if it were to hit the ground. I
1: don't know if rocket ships are supposed to hit the ground.
0: No, they're yeah.
1: not. Now that I think of that, that's not generally part of the plan, Horst. If the rocket ship yeah. hits the ground, you know, that's not that's trouble. You at least want to hit the sea. Then again,
0: a lot of rocket ships also make that noise out of bio, so.
1: <laughs> but yeah, with that in mind, that was definitely the plan when he said that. Uh, from Alexis Skarsgård to treat Any regrets on the Wilson pick? Anyone who's available selected after he thought would have been better? Not really. I'm sure there will be someone if we get all hindsight and revisionist about it.
0: Yeah, well, once we get all Barbara Walters, we'll we'll find out.
1: In the moment, though, it's fine. No one obvious to me standing out. Guys, I liked that they could have taken, but no one that I'm sort of feeling strongly enough about that I'm like. They blew it. They shouldn't have taken Wilson. Doesn't feel like that at all. From at underscore Al Hopper. Is Sterling Brown. The delay there was. He has is insert number 48. And it's so late. That I had to stop and think of who. The books drafted in the second (laughs) round. But is. I've only spent a lot of the podcast. Talking about him but. It's hard to brain at this point, Jordan. Is Sterling Brown the best player in the draft? Uh, sure. Why not? Why not? They're all the best player. <laughs> From uh, DJ Jazzy J1, with hoarse comments of Major Cat's possible extension and recovery, is the Wilson pick less insurance or can he share the court with Jabari? I think it's both. I think we kind of touched on it early on, but I think it could be both. I think he could share the court with Jabari as a four. Jabari is a three in some sort of spells. And um, even if he doesn't share the court and they were both seen as fours, he could be his backup. But it's also good to have him there if Jabari does continue to have problems. So I, I think it can be both.
0: Yeah, that'll be a in, an interesting question. A lot of, again. I, I don't know.
1: It, I mean, by the time Jabari comes back. Wilson might have had a really great year where he's like entrenched in the rotation. He could have had a poor year where he struggled and still hasn't got his feet yet in the NBA. And it's not even a question at that point. But we can just wait and see. Um, I think I think both kind of apply. From a DJ Jazzy J one again, should we all be eating our smoothies with spoons? Absolutely not, Daniel. No.
0: Let's start this trend.
1: This is not the way to do things. Let's not. Jordan is not well. No. I'm not. He <laughs> <Yonita, laughs>
0: You heard Matchbox he 20 saying it best this. back in '97 on the Chevy hat rad.
1: Yeah, he's proving it. Uh, <laughs> from a David done, 21, given the unencumbered parade down the middle of the lane that we saw in the finals, doesn't matter less the DJ's report to be soft. We addressed that one earlier, but let's kill that. that Term isn't that? I
0: don't know. I heard when he eats tacos, he prefers soft shell
1: <laughs> from David Don 21 again, Middleton, Brogdon, and 17 Netsus Butler. Yes,
0: no, you judging by that return, you could have probably cut kind of, it, like, yeah, curve. yeah. Um, I mean, the that's, give you, that's the giving that's giving guard packs more credit.
1: I said it earlier, Jordan Like just saying no there is just saying no because he just hates the idea of this because before the details of the trade actually came out, I had said to Jordan, Middleton Jabari and 17 would do it, that would get you Butler, and Jordan was just like no, I asked Jordan no for who, and he said just no um, <laughs> Jordan's uncomfortable with trade talks in general uh, I mean, if the question is effectively could the books have got Jimmy Butler? absolutely the books could have gotten jimmy Butler.
0: i i think they also could have gotten bimmy jotler
1: from a, um alex underscore kane to tree is it a cop out to think of brown as a similar player to brogdon or is there something there as i said they are pretty similar in size a strong defensive base for both guys I and mean, brogdon became a really good shooter in the nba Brown's probably starting off from a better point, but then maybe it won't go as smoothly for him as it did for Brogdon in the NBA. I I think it's... There are similarities, but I would rather if we didn't do that, considering that Brogdon might win Rookie of the Year on Monday, and it doesn't seem like a reasonable expectation.
0: And Sterling Brown's not going to be a point guard, which Brogdon was, and we didn't expect that either.
1: Yeah, and he's also probably not going to have the role Brogdon had because Brogdon is already here before him. So, yep. the opportunity won't be quite the same. Mm-hmm. From Alex underscore Koenigs here Odds both guys make the NBA roster. I feel like it'll be a few years before they use a pick for the G League roster. They may never use a pick for the G League roster. And, I mean, you, you use your pick for your NBA roster, and then you just send guys on assignment to the, to the G League. So, uh, I'm very confident both guys will make... The NBA roster because if you're, I mean, this is all new for us, so there'll probably be a lot of people who aren't fully on top of this. But it's not like you can pick Sterling Brown, say you're not part of the NBA roster. Like, if you're sending him to the herd and he's not part of your roster, any NBA team can come and sign him and call him up. So, if he signs a contract with the books he's a books player. If they want to assign him to the herd, they can do that. But if he's not on the NBA roster and he's playing with the herd, any other NBA team could then, after a few weeks of good play, come and say, okay, here's a 10 day contract or here's a contract at the end of the season, multi year contract, whatever it is. So, odds both guys make the NBA roster? Absolutely. And particularly with just the books having no cap space. So, <laughs> like, someone like Sterling Brown is going to be useful. We'll fill in and the. You know, they, I
0: guess. Team. Is this? I mean, they already made it technically, right? Because they were drafted by an FBA tier. That question, that answer, or that question has already been answered.
1: He means the final, like out I, of, know. Out I know, out of preseason, out of training camp. I don't even know what the point of that kind of that kind of smart technicality you're trying to get us on, Jordan. But we don't have to worry about that because that is it for this episode. Um, we said we would talk about the Herd branding and Greg Monroe's player optional. We're not going to do that because, well, it's incredibly late for me, and it's it's not even late for Jordan yet, but it's clearly... No, it's late. It's midnight. <laughs> oh, poor you. Jordan, describe the scene behind me. What what kind of time of day does it look like?
0: It's dark. I just see a bunch of umbrellas. They're just hanging in your You have a lot of umbrellas there. <laughs>
1: I sh- shouldn't have trusted. That's the, the unreliable narrator for you, there, Jordan Tresky. I'm
0: just saying.
1: It's not like when I describe your eye patch and ponytail, and long beard. Exactly, those are um, real things. It's it's daytime, is what Jordan's saying, and I, I, all I just see I is I have a not bunch slept of yellow. Daytime. Um, They're yellow. I have to be up to deliver more books content for all of you people. <laughs> not not so long from now. So, we will...
0: For all of you people.
1: All of you. Um, and because I'm going to do it, you better read it. We'll be back, though, to talk about the herd. Read it with an umbrella. To talk about... Well, I don't even know why an umbrella would come into your head. Um, to talk about the herd. I talk about Monroe's player option in the next couple of days. Probably with press conference stuff if the books get... There are two draft picks out to Milwaukee to do that. So, yeah, we'll be back on Monday, recording Tuesday, posting for a regular podcast. But that is the night of the awards show as well. So that will probably be the focus on that occasion. So we'll fill in the gaps with some of that other stuff in the next couple of days. So,
0: will Giannis win most improved? <laughs> will Brogdon win?
1: No, we'll probably have theater. to record that one late. Which is will Jason great Kidd great be coy? <laughs> He'll be coy, but not in the way that you want him to be coy. More bonus. I'm just going to talk, talk over Jordan because Jordan is gone. Jordan is completely gone, trying to derail this. Um, in the meantime, subscribe to his Nightshade, Foster Soundcloud, Addison Stitcher. Check out all of our work behind the bookpass.com. We've put so, so much work into the draft. Uh if you wanna read about DJ Wilson, uh Earl Reed Muller has a great profile on him up there from before the draft. Tomorrow we will have We brought that back. We will have grades for both players. Uh we will have more in depth articles kind of getting to know both of them into the weekend. So we'll have coverage press conference, everything everything you could want to know about these two new picks. We'll have the details for you
0: is a remix is one more thing if dj wilson gets say like it's off as a offensive rebound like a tip in a put back is that technically a remix
1: thank you very much for listening thank you jordan
0: thank you